You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Dan Mychek. I help companies connect with the best tech talent, and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tav, Thomas, and Andreas to discuss designing your product's continuous feedback loop. So before we delve deeper into the topic, I'll work my way around the room with some introductions. So Tav, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, nice to be here. My name is Tav Kitko. I am currently a CEO of a Danish media company called Setland. Um, my road the uh, route into that has 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 gone through uh, product development. I've been doing product development for uh, 20 years, but uh, I've been doing like probably 10 years as CEO and 10 years as product manager. So uh, a lot of a lot of years, like really high up in the helicopter. Uh, but I have been like uh, uh, doing um, uh, working some years directly uh, as a product owner, a product manager, uh, head of product um, in always in the media industry. Uh, been a little bit in edtech, but, but, but otherwise uh, in the media uh, industry. Fantastic. And Thomas, we'll come to you next. Sure. So uh, name is Thomas Audunhus. Um, hard Norwegian name to pronounce. Sorry for that. Uh, I'm, I'm currently head of product and marketing at Servot. Servot uh, is a, a Norwegian but growing international hosting company. So we, we host uh, websites and e-commerce stores for, for uh, companies around the globe um, started uh, working with product I think it was somewhat like 15 years ago uh, in the telecom industry so and I moved over to to hosting but I've uh, also been doing quite a lot of other things so sales and support and kind of uh, in, especially in Serbot been working the whole organization uh, since it's a startup and we're growing so yeah um, that's nice to be here fantastic cheers Thomas and last but not least we'll come to you Andreas yeah um Nice to be here as well, and nice to meet all of you. Uh, so my name is uh, Andreas Mosko. Uh, I am a product manager at a company called Sightimprove, um, originally founded in Denmark uh, many years ago at this point. Um, but we, 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 we are a marketing performance uh, platform where we uh, analyze your websites and come with recommendations on, on how do you improve uh, within all the different disciplines that uh, go into making great content. Um, I started actually with, <laughs> with product uh, around 10 years ago, uh, starting my own company, uh, trying to do uh, an esports betting platform. Um, didn't work out in the end, but uh, you know it, it was only many years later that I realized that I was actually working with product at that time. Um, so that's kind of my background. And then I took a little bit of a feature and customer support, uh, delivery, technical support, all that jazz uh, until coming back to product uh, some years ago. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Um, so now that we've established a bit of context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question or statement on designing your product's continuous feedback loop. And as usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. Um, so each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So we'll kick off today with Andreas. Yes, thank you. So um, my, my, my very simple question was, uh, how do you manage to quote unquote close the feedback loop uh, at scale uh, and just to give a little bit of a context you know in, in my opinion uh, an essential part of a great feedback loop is that it's not just a one-way communication channel so because feedback comes in all of these different forms like uh, in product feedback uh, through interviews through other departments um, it can sometimes be quite hard to to keep all of that in mind um, and because of 
that feedback often comes in the form of a feature request. Uh, I'm missing this thing in the platform. Um, how do we make sure that we actually close the loop and actually figure out, well, what is the what is the underlying problem that they're trying to solve with that request? So we don't rely on our own assumptions. Uh, can I uh, kick in here, Andreas? Because it's a, it's a it's a it's a great question. I I was thinking about um, what you're really talking about is you know in order to get feedback from the customer or the user or who else, uh, you you need to uh, you, or you want to to uh, give something in return, right? That's how it works. You you know the the user needs to get something, and I have always believed that the best thing you can give in return is uh, attention. Uh, it's like you you know. Don't worry about an Amazon gift card because it's like, well, it, that might be a trigger to get them to do it. But what they're really interested in, hopefully, <laughs> is uh, impact or sometimes actually your uh, your attention. And I think that's just a very important thing to keep in mind because that also means that when we're talking about feedback loops at scale, um, you know, you might uh, you might be able to give your attention to hundreds or even thousands of people, but really. I think the the you know the best thing that can happen to a user is wow I was really seen by the product manager or actually this idea that they just implemented I actually uh, you know I actually gave that idea to the product manager only only uh, three days ago wow that's that's fast that <laughs> they could build that I mean that's the best experience um, that that you that you want to give and so I think that that is uh, just thinking about what what is actually the what is actually the return of the investment uh, from the user? I think is also always the, the the key here, uh, and I think just oftentimes the the answer to that question has to be impact or attention. I I can't say I, I disagree. I'm also not a fan of Amazon gift cards and uh, and whatnot. Uh, and think uh, I think attention is is the key, but uh, the question is how does attention it in itself close close the loop? Um, in in my view, and that's also okay. We're coming to my question later, but uh, for me, it's tied into my question as well. Because for me, feedback is just the beginning of a larger journey to understand the underlying problem, the underlying um, situation, uh, and like okay, the, it's often a feature request, but you most likely don't want to solve it in the way the customer describes it because they've seen at the, the, this feature at the competitor or something. So uh, it's uh, doing it at scale is possibly hard, but actually uh, being there physically with the, the customer and, and kind of in, in that way also seeing them is, is for me closing it to, to some extent. Uh, online and remote can also, be, you can still be seen, okay, looking at the customer when they stumble upon this problem or when they, when they have this problem and then also having that conversation in context is is for me a, a mechanism to to help close the let's say the the insight gap uh, when you often get feedback and uh, there's also always some information piece missing here right um, but I think that really the 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 challenge is to do it at scale. Uh, I'm unsure if it's actually possible. But but we could we could maybe take it back to the basics here and say okay, one thing that that we usually do as product managers is that we say, you know, let's say it's it's I want feedback on my uh, new product or even my old product. So I will open uh, a portal where you can submit uh, you know feature requests. Right, that's it's a very typical or an old school way of doing it, and then. You know, uh, then what we usually do is to say, okay, but uh, but uh, Andreas and Thomas, they they uh, they suggested this uh, feature. Once it's implemented, I want to to go back to these people and say, 
and now it's actually uh, now it's actually uh, done. The problem with that is obviously, I mean, that's that's you know, we all, I guess we all know that situation where you actually get that email saying, well, now this feature request you you, you made eighteen months ago, it's actually implemented. Um, the problem with that is that it doesn't really, it's not really a feedback loop. Loop. It's just like it's a one-way communication that is that you now got a reply uh, to. So so I, I I don't think there's any way around of actually uh, giving attention like to the to the people that you want to to uh, be in a feedback loop with. You you have to use attention or, or something that is really valuable. And that's you know back to my point before that the most valuable thing you have is your attention. And that that is I I think that's the only way to actually create real loops where people because people need to feel that they've actually be, been been uh, been heard. Uh, I think that's the only. I, you know, I have some examples from from my uh, from my job, which is a little different because it's a product that we create every day. Uh, but I can come back to that. But I, I think that's a very good point. That attention is is you know the key. Um, but I also you know w w when we open you know whatever feedback portals, uh, be it a feature request portal or just a hey, what did you think about this experience? Uh, type of survey. Um, we, we often get, at least in my experience, uh, end up getting feedback that isn't really feedback as well. Um, and I think a lot of the challenge when it then comes to trying to scale, uh, closing a feedback loop is, is maybe trying to sort that out a little bit, figuring out, well, almost qualifying the feedback, is this feedback you know, worth attention? And that sounds almost horrible because uh, you know someone took their time to, to come to us, tell us about whatever problem they had. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a little bit wondering how, um, you know, if that's a way to do it. Yeah, if if I could just kick in, I, I think one thing I learned at Setland, which is obviously like it's a consumer-facing product, and, and and it's a product where people will basically come back every day and 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 sort of like know that that being active is a is a part of actually using the product. But one thing that that I always try to do is to say the 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 one thing that scales is the community, right? I don't scale; my attention does not scale, but but the the attention of the community really scales. And so every time that you 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 can actually do that, uh, it, you know, for instance, we run like we we're just uh, like in, in many ways a traditional newspaper, so we will have a, a common thread below our articles. And and the beautiful thing that happens there, uh, so so that's that's feedback to an article, you can say, but it's it's really a, a your product feedback. The the beauty happens when it's the community itself that actually uh, goes into a discussion, and then because then people will say, oh. These ten people actually read what I what I wrote, and they're like they're fired up about it, or they feel it's important, or they they think I'm right, and 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 uh, and of course that doesn't happen by itself. You need as a product manager to to create that uh, stage where that interaction will happen, and and so when you're thinking about doing things that scale, what we often uh, because of our backgrounds tend to do is to think about okay that that has to be a data problem like how can i how can i structure my data in a way that i that it, that it'll actually scale but i think in many times uh, at least what i've learned at setland is well if if you have a chance to actually let the community provide the the the, the feedback itself that might actually be be just as valuable because because oftentimes it's about uh, it's about actually getting smarter. At least, I mean, that's often the situation in my product. I know that that's not feature requests where you where it's sort of like sometimes it's actually binary. Either we we make the, the feature or we don't. In this case, it's more like okay, getting a discussion up and running. And and so my go-to thing when we talk about scale is always can can I get my customers to act. 
to, to be that scale because, you know, there's no doubt that my attention does not scale. That's actually a very interesting idea. When preparing for this podcast, I actually thought about another question which almost touches upon that, which is how to democratize feedback. Uh, but at that point, my 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 scale was just, you know, how do you make sure that everybody in your organization or in your company uh, takes part of feedback and kind of feels some sort of ownership out of it? Because that's another way to scale it, you know, make sure that there's more people internally. But what you're actually suggesting um, is really interesting because now you're democratizing it to your entire, uh, you know, universe within that, uh, your context. Um, yeah, sure. And it, it's it's not novel. I mean, look at Stack Overflow, for instance. Like One of the beautiful things about that is, well, it's basically the community. And, and you know, when you have that top, vote, uh, top voted answer, that feels really good. Right. I've never tried it myself. But I mean, that that's really return of investment for the time it took me to to basically go in and, and, and uh, write the solution. And that that has, you know, it's just a beautiful example of the community coming together and really the, the return of, of my investment is I'm I'm uh, I'm sort of like noticed or I'm I'm rewarded by by the community, which in turns really scales. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Um, so we'll move on to uh, Tab's question next. If that's OK. Yeah. So uh, I will try to see if I can uh, if I can post the question <laughs> in a coherent way. Uh, so so it. Obviously, it's tied to the discussion that we just have had. But, but in my experience, it's always like we, we know as product managers that uh, we, we should wake up every morning and, and think about feedback. Uh, oftentimes, uh, life comes across and we don't have time to do it. Uh, so, so what I'm always doing is to figure out ways that will make it inevitable for me to, you know, it, you know, the feedback loops are something that I cannot avoid. And um, and again, I I, uh, I used to to work on a on a software platform that was used by you know millions of, of users each day, uh, but but it was sort of like generic uh, software. It was very very easy to get data feedback, but it was kind of hard actually to get you know qualitative uh, uh, feedback. But but on Setland, which is a product that has I would say uh, feedback affordances built into it. Uh, for many reasons, not because I'm a brilliant product manager, but for, for other reasons, um, it 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 often feels like uh, the feedback is sort of like you, you can't even if you wanted to, you couldn't avoid uh, getting into these uh, feedback loops. Uh, and I think that's something to strive for. Um, also, in in other types of of, uh, of software, like you you want to do just as you want to create viral hooks uh, to, to do the marketing in your in your product I, I, I think you you uh, we, we, we could we could look at it as as if we wanted to build uh, feedback hooks in the product like what is it that would make a user think about okay can I can I engage in this can I is there somewhere I can you know leave my idea um, and I, I just think it was would be a, an interesting discussion to to, to discuss what what like, does it make sense? Do you agree? Or and what do such like how how do such affordances or or hooks um, look like? Feel like? Do do we have some 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 examples? So I think um, from my point of view, um, I I think it's a good idea because when you are you know seeking out feedback, you want to make sure that you're catching people at a time where they're also you know in the right mindset of what you're trying to get feedback on, right? Um, so I'm I'm wondering if it is uh, you know just trying to figure out in in your product in your context, um, for example on on Setland uh, newspaper uh, article or whatever. Um, one of your goals might be that people read it and then they also read the next one, right? Um, so so that's kind of a, a successful action. That's kind of the, the hero flow you want them to go through. So maybe it's about 
injecting the the, the request for feedback um, after they have you know read the second article because in the cases where they came from the first article um, because then you've uh, been like hey was this article relevant for you? Um, did we suggest the right thing to you? Uh, and then people will be more likely to be like, yeah, you know, this was this was great. That's at least uh, how I see it. I, I I agree that so context is is really really important. But we so feedback. Okay, you can you can have you can have quantitative feedback or qualitative feedback, and uh, I think you for the most part need both. So I I truly believe in kind of micro feedback and micro feedback loops where you instead of going for the qualitative uh, feedback loop where you you want them to answer a question or or kind of going into details uh, instead injecting into the product micro feedback uh, opportunities so okay you do it for the first time they use the feature and you do you ask hey how good was this experience uh, yes no and you do it over time because for most product managers uh, a product in, improves. It uh, sometimes also degrades in, in quality and how much value it provides. So then you can okay sort of structure it, but you can also figure out okay who is who is actually invested here. Uh, so you know who would be valuable to talk to and who wants to to kind of go the go the next step. Because um, if they always give you that that micro feedback, you know also what uh, yeah. What what uh, which people should you invest your time in? Because um, as you grow and and get to scale and you get millions of users or whatnot, you will always have more people or usually more people wanting to raise their voice rather than uh, too few. So um, I think your your own time is scarce. The the, the community your customers' times the time is is uh, not as much. So starting at least getting kind of micro uh, uh, micro feedback and doing that a lot instead of focusing on that one big survey or or something like that because that takes time from from the users as well sure uh, i i also i think you know one of my own answers to the to the to the question of how, how does a how does a feedback hook uh, look like i think it has a lot to do with with the discussion we had before about feedback is a transaction like it's something I do because I gain something from it. If I didn't gain anything from it, I would never do it. And it's, it's not monetary. Uh, it's but it's more like a feeling I get out of it. And I think so. The way to create a feedback hook, uh, uh, or at least one way to do it, is to show, like, make it apparent what is actually the return you'll get. And and it's and and you know just show it. Don't tell it. Don't say you'll get an, a gift card from Amazon, but say. You know, uh, this uh, this woman uh, gave feedback last week, and that actually led me to call her. And here's the discussion we had around, uh, or something like that. That that is something that people, wow, will the, will the product manager actually uh, call me? I, I really want to do that. So that makes me want to give uh, feedback. Um, I think what we are trying here because again, like we had, we have this type of product that we create every day. So we're trying to 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 make. Uh, sort of like um, buckets where we, or, or like um, a toolbox of things where we can we can take up and say for instance if we write a newsletter email we will try and think about can we can we inject something into that uh, newsletter that will tell about what happened last time we asked the question so last time you remember last week we asked this question and this guy uh, from uh, from uh, northern Jutland he wrote back and he actually uh, uh, you know, had this great idea, which made me think of this, which made me call this source. It might be that we didn't even call him, 
but just mention him and say, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we post this question last week, for instance, uh, you know, uh, what, what should we uh, tell about the global economy? And, and when I, as a normal user, I read that it's, I understand, okay, this is a request for feedback. And I think I don't have time. I, it's not, I'm, you know, I'm busy. I, I don't really, I don't want to do that. But then next week when I hear, okay, but this other guy, when he, was asked that question he actually replied and he had this great idea that makes me uh one it makes me really want to do it the next time but two it also makes me very very interested in okay but what then came from that because i i couldn't think of anything so great that this other guy he actually had had a great i really want to know what what uh what happened next uh, so it, it really raises my engagement and that really scales because it, you know it might be that i post out a question and only three people reply but but nobody noticed that if I can just find one that I can sort of like uh, uh, point to, it it also might be that five hundred thousand people uh, replied. But that's not a problem because I I'll you know what's the one feedback that that uh, that stuck. Uh, so I think you know making making the return of of your feedback uh, investment uh, really apparent uh, is just something that will create the the. Uh, you know, will will set you up for feedback success the next time. But I think that's um, that, that's a good point because you're actually you're you're combining a, another part of the product manager job, which is you know to to sell your ideas um, to, to with feedback uh, in the sense that you know when you have to to argument make an argument for why you know we should be doing uh, X instead of Y, uh, we often turn to storytelling, right? We try to figure out well what is it about this that will make people feel good, um, and I guess what you're suggesting is is implementing the same. Uh, methodology into the feedback loop um, as the invitation to the feedback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then always be pointing to look how great a life this other user got because she reacted to <laughs> to my last uh, invitation. You know, uh, that was actually, you know, see how successful you can be if you help me. Uh, I, I, that's just very basic because you want to you want it to be something that people are like, oh, yeah, great. I want to be that person. Um I want to do that, and then, and then, of course, you you can't do that for five hundred thousand people, uh, but you can do it for for five, and that's actually good enough. If if you sort of like have the platform and you can find the right moment to to make it clear that that this happened. I think also uh, a, a key to, uh, regardless of the format you do that kind of, uh, that hook in and uh, what question you ask and whatnot, humanizing it a bit, right? So make it less, uh, make it less generic and robotic and, and okay, if, if it's this uh, product manager asking for feedback, okay, tell the people um, that you're asking for feedback who that is, slap an image on it and don't, don't do the, the average Hey, we have this feedback box in the, the bottom right corner. Click that and you can write what you want. Uh, okay, you don't know who will read it. You you have no idea, right? So um, putting putting some some uh, some a human touch to to how you do it regardless of regardless of how. And in, in your case, a... right? It's if you use the comment uh, section, okay, they usually have an image, at least the first name, uh, that you know who are you actually interacting with, not just uh, an empty email box or or something that no one reads. I think that's a very good point. And again, the point is, as you were saying, uh, Thomas, that you know, you're usually you have the quantitative and the qualitative feedback. And people all, you know, at in 2022, people know that we are looking at the quantitative feedback. I mean, they know that we track them and see what they do. Uh, so when you have the qualitative uh, things, you want to set that apart 
and you want to make that personal. Hey, this is just me asking you. You know, it might be that I'm asking five million people's people, but but now I'm asking you, and it's your opinion that I'm interested in. Um, so so I, th- I think that's uh, that's a very important point that you want to distinguish your. Uh, you, you want to 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 make it very clear that now we are two per, you know two people. Uh, you know, we, we have an, uh, an intimate uh, conversation now, and I want to know what you think. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I, I know already what you do. Now I want to know what you think. But I think there's also, uh, there's other ways of doing that as well. Um, so, so one thing that I'm trying to do uh, in my product is, uh, you know, and again, that's maybe where my scale question comes from. Uh, you know, I answer every piece of feedback directly with an email. Um, and, you know, we started doing that because uh, it seems like the right thing to do. So we could actually gain this insight into what are the mindset of the user when they said whatever they said. Um, but what this has kind of led to is uh, now suddenly we have a, a, an expectation almost from everybody who gives feedback that, hey, I'm going to get an email back. I'm going to get an answer to this question that I have. Um, so without having a very personalized, I think, you know, we do have a button. It just says, hey, put, provide your feedback and we'll get back to you. Um, that's actually enough, even uh, as long as the, the, the other side of the coin follows up and, and yeah, engages with the... Sure, but in that situation, an idea would be to say, okay, instead of having this as a one-to-one conversation, it's now a, it's now a, a Slack channel or it's like a block or something, because obviously when you do one-to-one communication, you lose the power of the community. Uh, so maybe what you want, want to do instead was say, uh, you know, uh, you know, find some other channel where you say, okay, it's, it's, it's apparent to you that, you know, if, if your question is good enough or, you know, you know, you'll actually get an email from me. Look, this is the email I sent to, to Bende the other day. Uh, and here, I mean, you, you, you can all read that. I think that's, that's a way to make it scale uh, just to go from one one to one communication to to uh, a more sort of like a, a pool a pool communication thing where people can actually go in and 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 consume it if if they want to. Um, yeah, I, I was I was just looking uh, on the internet for for a product or like a feedback hook because um, to me it's like you know for me it's very clear when I build a product I want to to create you know the viral hook is something I you know I learned at university right so so we probably all you know used to 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 doing that but i think that actually that the the feedback hook um you know might be a good thing to think about also because it's sort of similar actually to the viral hook it's something that will will make you do the things that you deep inside maybe you kind of want to do but you you don't you just don't do it right Uh, you you know i like this product but i i won't write an email to andreas because that's just i won't do that so giving that hook where you'll actually get the feedback is sort of similar to to putting in the 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 viral hooks uh but but uh, i just googled it and and there's nothing like i I only get uh i get uh, sort of like hooks to to hang your your bike uh on uh, in in your garage. That's because you're you're googling from Denmark. <laughs> uh, I guess. Yes. So. <laughs> what what do you get? <laughs> no, but I I I, um, I think one also has to remember that okay, when you kind of develop the hooks and how you make it into the product, also is highly dependent on on what's your first of all, what's your product. Too many kind of just look for something generic, and so if your product is a is a luxury car, you need to do that completely different from if you're Facebook, right? Uh, 
Facebook have the have the hook of uh, shaking your phone, and then they prompt, "Hey, what's wrong?" Uh, if you if you do that, uh, if you're Elon Musk and, and running Tesla, uh, it, it it won't work. You your 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 customer group, your customer target group is completely different. They also want to be kind of hooked into giving feedback in a different way. Um, I'm just I'm always worried when when talking being in discussions like this that okay, people tend to get too generic and kind of don't understand, don't fully understand their customer. Right? And, and how they want to get that uh, feeling of ownership to to the product they have bought or subscribed to or whatever they uh, whatever they do. Yeah, I agree, and that's also why, like, thinking about this as a continuous loop, it's not we're not the thing we're discussing today is not how to get you know a customer to file a feature request. No, it's about how to get the customer to really feel like you are engaged in uh, in a continuous feedback, and that what I do and feel and talk about is actually important to uh, to to this uh, to this product or this this uh, this company and um, yeah and I totally agree that will never work if you do something generic I mean, that that's that's the whole point of it it has to be sort of like a conversation it's not a mailbox so I uh, I think one company where I actually recently had an experience. Um, with what I might consider a feedback hook uh, was um, I had ordered some some takeaway uh, through Vault, which is like Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, there had been delays and I was like, ah, you know, I'm going to actually give it a, a bit of an angry smiley this time um, because I wasn't really satisfied. Uh, and I thought, you know, ah, that's it. You know, I've done this this micro feedback and, and now I've said my piece. Um, but then uh, two days later, I actually got a notification in the app and saying, hey, you know, Caroline from Vault here, would you like to elaborate a little bit? Um, and that actually prompted me to do something that I, I, I never do. I never write long uh, feedback or feature requests. But I was like, hey, actually, you know what? This feels like a conversation now. This feels like a place where I'm being heard. Um, and, you know, I, I got to say my piece and they were like, oh, thank you. You know, we have improved, blah, blah, that spiel. But even that, that was enough for me to go away and be like, okay, you know what? I, I, this bad situation was turned into something good. It's a very good example. And you might even go on LinkedIn and write or whatever, uh, another place and write, oh, I, you know, this was great. Uh, look, see how this company does. And that, that I, I, that's back to my point of saying you need to get into a situation, as Caroline did, where it'll act, there's, a, there's a chance that this will be one too many because she, she's, she's doing it for you. But, but once you go on social media or Trustpilot or wherever you do it and write, you know, and write about your experience, then it's, it's going to be a one to many. Uh, I, I myself have uh, like this, uh, this uh, thing in my calendar while every Tuesday afternoon I'll talk to a customer. And, and the way to do that is uh, that's something you really want to do. And I've always, you know, that, you know, from the textbooks and that's, you should do that, but, but it only works uh, when it's, it's easy enough. So I have a system that will basically my calendar there every Tuesday at 2 PM, there'll be like a, a call with the customer. When that really works is when the customers are like, um, you know, there's a lot of customers that'll get an email reply for me when they, you know, provide some, some, some feedback and I'll say, Oh, that was interesting. And it's a generic email. Do, would you want to to um, you know would you want to elaborate on that and then I don't know maybe 50 percent of them uh, go go say okay that, that would be great and then I don't know 10 percent of those actually make it to to get a conversation but it happens quite often that I see on LinkedIn or on Facebook that people will actually make posts about that oh well today I actually talked uh, to the product manager or now it's the CEO wow that it's it's a really a, 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 an easy company to get in touch with and that's just, I mean, that's not why I do it, but it's definitely uh, an added uh, added value uh, to it that, 
that you know you you get to be uh, portrayed at, at, as this open thing, and that's that's where your attention actually might start to scale. Fantastic. Cheers, guys. Uh, and last but not least, Thomas, we'll come to you last. Okay. Uh, so I, I thought uh, I had the challenge of, of uh, I think it was hard to, to get a good question in. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of opening up with with a closed yes or no question. Um, but, the, but the context, let's start with that. So when I started doing doing uh, yeah product work generally, uh, the, the, there was no talk about like, feedback loop, at least not in, in the in the volume that it is now now you have products and major companies kind of working with the feedback loop and whatnot okay when i started we had posted notes and in a notebook we went out and we just watched the customers do their kind of daily work so that we can see the product in their kind of natural environment instead of in our office and that gained for us uh, customer insight we understood the customer way more than i feel the average modern <clears throat> product manager does now. So we never see the the kind of real life use of whatever we, we do and what the product we have. So then the first question is, uh, are we too focused on actually doing the feedback? Uh, and what, what cost does that have? Should we instead, uh, or should we balance off things more with with gaining more uh, true customer insight and customer understanding, so that we can more easily get to the root cause, or uh, kind of stop listening to to what customers say, understand what customers uh, customers don't know that they want. Um, and I'm thinking of of Ford's quote with, "Okay, don't ask what they uh, what they want because they will just say a faster horse." Uh, so. Yeah, I'm 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 worried about uh, the kind of innovation that we we are missing out on by by focusing too much on the feedback loop. Uh, and and yeah, want to hear your thoughts on uh, how to gain customer insights, kind of also in relation to to customer feedback loop as well. Um, yeah, so I mean, you started up by saying that this might be a <laughs> yes or no question. Um, but uh, I'm gonna probably break that a little bit. So I think oh, that. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, it kind of depends how you view, quote unquote, the feedback loop, right? So I think our conversation today, we have almost established already that the feedback loop is just a way to get into a conversation with a customer. It's a way to learn more about them. Um, so I think if, if we actually do that, if we actually take the time to, to move away from just the, the, the written feedback or whatever it is, um, then it won't be a, a problem, uh, as you described, with uh, not learning about the customers. Um, I think where it, gets, uh, where it often becomes a trap for a lot of people is that uh, these feedback loops, you know, they're often in the context of something the user is doing right now in your product. So the feedback becomes very specific um, to to that context and not the, the work that they're actually doing. Um, and that can just feel so so safe. Like it feels so easy. You know, you see that as a product manager, you, ah, yes, I know this problem. I can go into the product. I can click on the same things and I can see that this is a problem. Um, and then it can be a very tempting to just be like, yes, I'll fix this problem. And then you, you know, wipe your hands and say, yes, I did a good job. Uh, where in reality, you might not have been doing a good job because you missed what you just described with the customer insights, the learning about their context, how they work, um, where do you fit in in that context? Um, so, so the long answer is, I guess it depends on how you use the feedback loop. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I, I have to agree. But so, but, but it's interesting that so many talk about feedback loop. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm on other context, I'm reviewing and, and interviewing people for for product uh, positions at Servo. Now, everyone talks about feedback loops. No one says 
I want to understand the customer. So maybe we also have kind of in product uh, industry problem as well. Maybe a, 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 a small example that, that I've been really, really happy about because I totally understand the question, but I also agree with Andreas that maybe it's because it's it's a wrong question because there shouldn't be that distinction. Like it, if it is a real product, uh, if it is a real feedback loop, loop, well, that actually means that, you know, why would you want to have a loop if it wasn't to go deeper and to actually understand uh, what's happening? So if it is a real feedback loop, I, I would say, well, then that should happen. I just wanted to to uh, to uh, to uh, maybe just uh, for, for inspiration uh, uh, explain uh, my my weekly uh, phone calls with with customers because because I think they're actually an example of exactly what what you're asking about there because so we we are a subscription uh, business and that means that one of the, the the biggest reasons to churn like every other subscription company is well I I don't I don't use it enough to to. Uh, to, to, to pay the price and that's probably i don't know 80 percent of the of the reasons for churning uh, we get and so what i've been doing the last two three maybe four years is once a week call a customer that recently churned and uh, they will always have that same reason but you can't you can't use that for anything you have to do a qualitative interview and what i do is basically talk to them for for 20 minutes maybe sometimes only 10 minutes and i will understand sometimes it's because well we didn't fit into their daily lives sometimes it's because well you know i lost my job or sometimes it's because uh, you know i moved and i don't i no longer commute but you you will never get that if not uh, actually asking those open ended questions uh, to 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 the persons and then of course you use the quality or the the quantitative data to say okay you know I, it's it's 80% of my customers it's a real it's a real thing but i'm not satisfied with that i have to call uh, a, a very very small subset of those, but then once I have been doing that now for I've probably I've talked to hundreds of them, I start you know it's there's definitely patterns and oftentimes most Tuesdays it's like okay that was uh, 15 minutes that, you know I I knew everything already but even at that point it's like okay but let me get that voice into my head once a week uh, that that you know how how my product uh, fits into a real. Uh, daily life, and I think you know if if you can get to that point on the basis of some some uh, quantitative data, and then go into that and say, okay, I I didn't call this person because she was a special uh, person, but I actually called her because she, what she said is what like eighty percent of people uh, write. Now let's get into the more details, and then let's do that again and again and again and again because it is the most important thing for for us to understand. I think. Uh, you know, to me, that has just been something that I, I set up and will actually force me to once a week to actually have that conversation with the with the with that uh, customer. It's just a it's just a, a tip uh, to to basically have that. You know, uh, you know the the people who churn. Uh, you know, just I read through all their comments and I'll and I'll, I'll just have a spreadsheet in Google Docs where I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll do a check mark and that sends that shoots an email. Uh, to her and it'll said, do you want to uh, to expand? And then you can book a slot in my calendar. And where the beauty comes in is that there there aren't a lot of slots in my calendar. So the customer will click it and say, great. I mean, I want to talk to to that guy. And then, oh, well, I can't do it that day. And no, not that day. So so it'll it, you know I'm, I'm never it it will always scale because I decide. And then once I call the customer, it's they're always happy because it's actually it's not me who booked the appointment. It's the customer herself or the used to be customer. So there's always like, they always pick up the phone, which is amazing. So it's just a, a tip on how to do that. I think it's a, it's a really good thing to do. Um, and, and especially just assigning that time slot, because uh, that is probably 
the hardest thing. Find time in your calendar to do it. Um, exactly. But it needs to be in, in the calendar and there's a phone number there and I just need to call her and she will always pick up and say, oh yeah, I, uh, I'm waiting for your call. Great. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, but I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of, uh, I still feel like I'm in my work right now, still missing that component of, of understanding uh, everything underlying. And I'm, I'm still kind of, it, I have a feeling that talking to customers is not enough. You have to kind of watch them and you have to, to, to see it because they will add their assumptions. We as product managers add our assumptions, try to fill in the blanks and we can fill the blanks completely wrong and no one actually has the answer so you have to go deeper maybe than they can actually give you in a, in a if, over a phone call or a meeting or whatever i think you actually have to to understand it more more deeply i i i have the 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 example from from years ago okay how do you make the best to do app ever right okay you go into a family if you want to kind of solve the family to do problem uh and you just become the app so that you can feel the customer's uh, frustration. You can see why it happens, uh, when it happens, and that gives you more customer understanding than just talking to them. Because the problem is also what what frustration, what problems stick after a week or two weeks or three weeks after they have felt that frustration, because that's also fresh. Uh, so it might not be accurate once you actually get to to the point of, uh, of having a deep conversation. But I think there's also, um, you know, that techniques to, to at least help alleviate that. Um, so uh, you may have heard about uh, Teresa Torres, who wrote a book on continuous discovery. You know, she talks a lot about how, how do you actually interview people? Um, and, and her point is very much that, you know, you shouldn't ask people, uh, what is your problem? You should ask them, tell me about the last time you tried to do this thing that, you know, caused your problem. So it becomes a, a, a thing about storytelling instead. Uh, and what we then try to do whenever I'm uh, doing this with customers is I often encourage them to, you know, share the screen, uh, click us through it as you tell the story so we can see it. And that also helps them kind of remember, you know, what was the flow I was in, you know, and, and so on. Um, so we are really trying to to observe through storytelling um, again, because, you know, we, we do live in a post-COVID world where going to a customer and looking at them is not always that easy anymore. Um, so, so we're really trying these uh, other ways of, of engaging with the customer to, to get to the, it's a little bit wrong to say the truth because obviously what the customer tries to tell you is their truth, but to get to the, uh, you know, what actually happened and observe these key moments where they might not even realize that, hey, if I could inject uh, a different step in your journey here, then suddenly you would not even experience that problem. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. Of course, the, you know, context is everything. And we always have that issue, especially probably when, when designing B2C products that, you know, if it's something that needs to fit into just a regular life. Well, the problem is that a regular life is, is probably the hardest thing to observe because once you start observing, it's not a regular life anymore. And so, so that makes it oftentimes much easier to do B2B because, you know, okay, you sit there, you're at work. Would you mind? I'm just uh, here behind your shoulder. Not at all. You know, that's an easy situation to observe. But, but you know, for instance, like just now this week, I'm, I'm trying to test like how, you know, tell me about your usual day. What, how, 
you know, you know about all these like five or six or 10 times a day, you have these small news moments, but we don't know when they happen. Usually they happen when you're on the toilet or you're waiting for the bus or you're sort of like walking to lunch or something. It's a very short moment. And once you start asking people about, you know, notice them, well, then you can't really trust the data anymore. And, and that's why also, Thomas, of course, the best thing there was just be, to be the fly on the wall. And, and we're always trying to design those situations where we can actually be a real fly on the wall. That's, that's usually quite hard to do. Especially in post-COVID, for sure. Fantastic. I think we'll leave it there then, guys. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Tav, Thomas and Andreas for providing their insights into the topic. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at daniel.mychek at evolution-nordics.com. And we'll see you next time. Cheers for listening.